This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. Thanks for starting your Wednesday with me. It's Thanksgiving Eve, officially, so we will be here tomorrow as well on Thanksgiving on Thursday morning. And then I had thought that I was also going to be doing the morning show with our owner, John Katsimatidis, from 6 to 10. I just learned a couple hours ago that I'm not going to be doing the morning show, but I am going to be doing the news hour. So I'm going to be on from 1 a.m. until 6 a.m. Thursday morning morning. So those of you that are up early cooking, preparing, watching the parade or getting ready to drive somewhere, hopefully you'll start your morning with me from 1 until 6 a.m. And then I believe it's going to be John Katzmatidis and Dominic Carter going from 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. You know me, I am an occasional gambler. I do enjoy casinos from time to time, especially in Atlantic City, but I've been to casinos all over the place. And I am not for the expansion of casino gambling in New York. I was not for it, but the The state legislature has spoken and there will be three new casinos in the New York City area. And I have to say, and I've said this before, that I think if we're going to have one in New York City, a great location for it is Coney Island. There are so many similarities that I see between Coney Island and Atlantic City, not the least of which is the boardwalk, the unique history that Coney Island has, like Atlantic City had, with being a terrific entertainment venue, sort of a resort-like community. And uh, today, or yesterday, Joe Sitt, a longstanding Coney Island landlord, put in a bid for a beachfront casino. Now, I don't know if Joe Sitt is the developer to do it, but I think if you look at this plan versus the plan from the manager or the uh, owner of the New York Mets, Steve Cohen, who apparently is interested in putting one in Midtown, I think from a traffic perspective, from a perspective of not disrupting people's work environment, people's residential environment, I think Coney Island is a far, far better choice than uh, than Midtown, uh, from my perspective. I love Coney Island. I go there every summer. And chances are, while Atlantic City would probably still be my go-to gambling destination, I would be making several trips to Coney Island if there were a casino there. It's a great community and one that I think a lot of New Yorkers and a lot of tourists, quite frankly, often overlook. Maybe if there's a casino there with a cool roller coaster underneath it, maybe they wouldn't. If there's going to be gambling in New York City... I can't think of a better spot for it than Coney Island. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Do you have one of these ring devices? Do you know what I'm talking about? If you have one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't, basically, a ring system is a combination of a camera system and an alarm system. And essentially, what it is is uh, you can see on your front porch anybody that comes. It also acts as an alarm if uh, anybody is trying to get into your home or anything like that. 
like that and will call the police if anything is uh, going, you know, going awry. One of the things that's interesting about it is there is a way for people to use this sort of like the citizen app where people in your neighborhood can act like a local neighborhood watch. And you'd be surprised at how often this is helpful. Four guys checking car doors on blankety blank street. And you know, when you see the video of these guys, be on the lookout for these guys. Uh, So-and-so checking car doors on this street. Fire call reported. Possible crime scene on this street. It is helpful. And I just noticed something yesterday that I wanted to encourage people to take note of. There was a notification of someone posting a video of their daughter who looked to be like a teenager or something entering their home and the notification said the kind of the description of this video and there was a guy across the street looking at this girl there was a description of this video and it said creepy guy staring at my daughter waiting to see where she goes and what she does. Now, if you listen to that description, it sounds scary. It sounds ominous. Now, these are all people in our neighborhood. And if you have a ring camera, the people updating it are going to be people in your neighborhood. And then someone commented on that notification and they said, I know that guy. He's autistic and he's Albanian. He doesn't speak English. And I think they may have taken the notification down. But to me, obviously you can never be too careful. But to me, it was a reminder of how perilous it is to jump to conclusions. Let's say that comment had never been made, that that gentleman was not a threat. Then you would have had people prepared to possibly do harm to this guy or call the police and have this guy arrested if they saw him walking around the neighborhood, which apparently he does very regularly, as a lot of people with certain developmental disabilities might do. And I want to remind people, especially as we go into the holidays and the shopping season, a lot of people concerned about taking their child to the mall and having that child snatched up. It is incredibly rare for a child to be abducted by a stranger. Child kidnappings happen and child abductions happen all the time, but in almost all of those cases, it is someone the child knows. So rather than jump to conclusions about a guy that looks strange across the street, think about maybe saying hello to that person. You might be surprised at what you learn. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. The more I am learning about cryptocurrency, and we're going to do a whole hour on this one day next week, but the more I'm learning about cryptocurrency, the more skeptical of it I'm becoming. I'm not saying I'm never going to use cryptocurrency or never going to purchase cryptocurrency. In fact, I have a number in my brain that if Bitcoin craters to beneath that number, I'm going to buy some because I do think Bitcoin is going to be here for the foreseeable future. And uh, I think once it hits a certain bottom, it will come back. Sort of like the dot-com companies after they burst, they did come back. The stock price of those companies did come back. Well, yesterday there was some news on the Bitcoin front. New York State will instate a two-year moratorium on new fossil fuel-powered cryptocurrency mining operations as the state works to balance its economic development and climate goals. Governor Kathy Hochul signed the controversial measure into law that would create the first in the nation temporary pause on new permits for fossil fuel power plants that house proof-of-work cryptocurrency mining, which is a process used in the transaction of digital money. Now, Governor Hochul, this was one of the many positions that she refused to state, one of the many issues she refused to state an opinion on, both during the primary and the general, because she was 
seems afraid of alienating anybody now that she's been elected to a full four-year term. She's free to actually govern and state her positions. She had punted on this issue for months after the legislature passed the bill in June. She wouldn't say whether she had would sign it or not. Now she is moving forward with signing it. I have to tell you, I think this is the right move. If you look at the amount of energy that is required to mine cryptocurrency, it's enormous. And they think that cryptocurrency mining, fossil fuel-based cryptocurrency mining, may be one of the greatest contributors to climate change in the near future if things continue to go at the rate that they're going. Meaning the explosion of all these different cryptocurrencies and all the different crypto mining that's going on in all these different places around the world. And I do think there's no reason New York can't review this and and revise this moratorium in two years. But I do think a temporary pause on this particular type of Bitcoin mining is probably the right move. And I suspect Governor Hochul knew that. And I suspect she knew what she was going to do. And I wish she would have just been honest enough with the voters to say so, either during the primary or the general election. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. One more hour to go, and then your Thanksgiving Eve can commence. I am a fan of the Indiana Jones films. Meet me at Omar's. Be ready for me. I'm going after that truck. Oh. I love them all. My favorite is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, primarily because I'm such a scholar of biblical history and there's some aspects of the Holy Grail and all sorts of other things. I am very interested in Italian culture and there's some great scenes in Venice. And I'm a huge fan of Sean Connery and he's terrific in that picture. But I honestly, I love them all. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, even uh, Crystal Skull. They're all great. And it was just announced this week that Harrison Ford is going to be de-aged to fight Nazis in the fifth Indiana Jones film. Now, Harrison Ford is 80 years old. Now, I suspect he is a younger 80 than President Biden is, but he's going to appear in this film as a 40-something-year-old person in this long-awaited Indiana Jones sequel. Now, of course, I'm going to see this, and hopefully it will be great. I'm hoping the story's great. I'm hoping Harrison Ford is great in it, and I'm curious to see how it works out. But for the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones film, James Mangold, who's directing it, he's taking over the franchise from Steven Spielberg, has concocted a sequence where viewers will be able to experience Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones back in his prime. According to an upcoming issue of Empire, the film's opening will be set in 1944, about eight years after the events in Raiders of the Lost Ark take place. And they're going to be using this de-aging technology. And it's going to have Harrison Ford going up against the Nazis again. Old footage of the actor was utilized to help create the illusion, along with the actor's original jacket from Raiders of the Lost Ark. This de-aging technology has been, to put it charitably, less than believable. You had Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci do it in The Irishman. You had Kurt Russell do it in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. 
it doesn't look good. I don't think this de-aging technology works. Now, I think there's a lot of ways to include Harrison Ford as a young Indiana Jones. But one of the things I'd love to see is a way for the franchise to continue. Him passing the torch to a younger person as they seem to be setting up in the last Indiana Jones film. I don't know why they have to fall back on this de-aging technology. Don't get me wrong. I hope it works. I hope it's great. I hope it's phenomenal. I hope it's a breakthrough. But given what we've seen so far in these other pictures from very talented filmmakers with big budgets, so far, I'm not optimistic. Beam me up. To be continued.